Welcome everybody to the Nerdpool Podcast, the podcast where we talk pop culture, pro wrestling, and everything else that's on my mind. So sit back, grab your snack, and listen in as I rant and rave about everything we know and love. What's up everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Nerdpool Podcast. As always, I am your host, the fat fool that loves Deadpool. Yes, it's me. Yes, it's me. It's a J-M-I-E, your 42nd favorite podcast host, and as always, your Sherpa and down the road of nerdiness. Today's episode, we're going to be talking Bill and Ted 3. That's right, we are going to face the music as I give you my rundown of the film, my review of the film, and overall what I expected of the film, and if it actually lived up to what I was hoping. We're also going to be talking about the recent tragic passing of Chadwick Boseman, and I'm just going to give you, you know, my thoughts on it, and just giving him a little love for the impact that he had on everything. You know, we're going to Wakanda after we're going to San Dimas. So let's just jump right in. Let's talk Bill and Ted 3. Bill and Ted face the music. It's just 20 plus years in the making with Alex Winters and Keanu Reeves reprising their role as the titular characters Bill S. Preston Esquire and Ted Theodore Logan. They have two of the most preppy names you can actually think of and yet they are barely dudes, surfer dudes. They wanted to be rock stars. In the first two films we find out that they were supposed to be the ones that write a song with their band Wild Stallions that was going to unite the world. They were going to bring peace to the earth. And in this one, we found that they don't, not only have they not written that song yet, but it's not just about bringing the world together and bringing peace to earth. It's about saving reality because if they don't write this song by a specific time and at a specific place, the reality and the world and the time space-time continuum is going to collapse in on itself, basically wiping out all of humanity, time, space. We see characters from history being sprouted out in different places as the play starts to collapse in. George Carlin, um, who is a big part of the first two films as Rufus, the one that introduced them to time travel. Uh, George Carlin tragically passed years ago, well before this was actually you know, ever a thing or before they got a chance to do it. However, his daughter is reprising the role and actually helping to be the one to for lack of a better term, to sherpa them down this road in time travel this time. Uh, her name is Kelly. She's played by Christian Shaw, who you might know as the voice of Louise from Bob's Burgers. We do see a small cameo from George Carlin as they, as a hologram of his younger self in the films. We see him show up, and we see him say a little line, and then we kind of hear him explaining the about Bill and Ted to the future selves and the future world as we go forward. We hear from the Supreme Leader uh, that, you know, they have yet to write the song and they have 72 minutes to write the song or the space-time is going to collapse in on itself. And we see that Bill and Ted are also, you know, they're not there yet. They're, they've are they been playing weddings, um, playing in front of 40 people who are mostly there for Taco Tuesday instead of to see Wild Stallions. We see, that, you know, that they've been chasing this dream forever. We see that the reprising the roles of Deacon, uh, Bill, or Ted's little brother, and Ted's father, they return. We also see the return of Missy as she is now married to Deacon, Ted's little brother. So if you track this whole thing, Bill and Ted went to school with Missy, asked her to prom. She turned them down. Missy marries Bill's dad in the first one, marries Ted's dad in the second one, and is now married to Deacon. This girl gets around in this entire thing, and that's been the running joke of this entire franchise. Now, if you want to talk about this film, this film is not Citizen Kane. This film is not Forrest Gump. This film is not Gone with the Wind. This is not going to be an Oscar film. This isn't going to be a contender. 
This isn't going to have people, you know, clamoring for the, you know, them to win Oscars and win Emmys and blah, blah, blah. This is what you get. This is Bill and Ted. This is in the same vein. This is in the same humor. This is in the same style as the, you know, first two. It's been upgraded. We've got a little bit better with CG. We've got a little bit better. But the thing I did like is the Supreme Leader in the future says that the prophecy has been kind of, you know, that Rufus has been saying this prophecy forever and that others have interpreted it differently, saying basically that Bill and Ted had to die to save the entire planet. So she sends a robot to quote-unquote kill Bill and Ted, played by Anthony Kerrigan, who you might know as playing, or I knew him as playing Zaz in the uh, Gotham uh, Fox TV show, better known as Gotham, about a young Bruce Wayne. He does a funny job here because he is a robot, and that's what I like about this. They put him in a suit. It's not CG. He is in a practical suit, and we end up seeing, like most of them, you know, he starts out as a robotic, I'm here, I've got one mission, and we see him screw up constantly, killing the wrong people. He, he spoiler alert on all this, you know, he ends up shooting um, Ted's dad, he ends up shooting their daughters, he ends up shooting... You know, the Supreme Leader Kelly's uh, daughter, which is Rufus's daughter. And we see him start kind of having a breakdown. Now, the robot ends up having a name, which is Dennis Caleb McCoy. And he ends up loving to tell you this. He loves it. Apparently, his name came from one of Kelly's former boyfriends, and that was supposed to be a joke. The film is hilarious. The film is, you know, off the wall. It's a crazy concept, and it doesn't... It doesn't take itself seriously, which none of the Bill and Ted's did. You get the same aspects that you did before. We're going back in time. Um, his daughters are going back in time to put a band together to help their dad create and write and play this song. Uh, they go and get Jimi Hendrix. They go and get Louis Armstrong, Mozart, and other other people from the past. Um, a classic flutist from ancient China. And they get a drummer from the... The caveman era, I guess, is what it is. Um, I don't know. They say the name. I honestly can't remember it off the top of my head. But it it, it it was weird to me. Like, Louis Armstrong, I got. They get Louis Armstrong to get Jimi Hendrix. You have two great artists there. And then you have Mozart, who's a hell of a pianist. And they couldn't use Beethoven again or didn't want to, so they use another one. That's fine. The But, like, the drummers, they, they swear that this cave drummer is the greatest drummer of all time. And we see her banging on, like, drums with bones. If you're wanting to put the greatest band together, why wouldn't you go get a Neil Peart or something like that? You know, these drummers from today, maybe they couldn't use the name and they didn't want to go there. I don't know how it went. But they go back in time to get all this, and they're putting this band together. And then the robot shoots them. They get sent to hell. They get sent to hell where we get to see William uh, Sadler playing Death again. We see him playing Hopscotch. We see him cheating playing Hopscotch. It's, it's a funny movie. Like, again, it's in the same vein as the rest of them. They've changed a few things. Um, it's, like I said, instead of uniting the world, they're trying to save time and space together. And then, spoiler alert, it ends up being that it wasn't them that was supposed to do it. It was their daughters helping, and they were just backing their daughters up. Now, people have got upset about it, and I get where it's coming from. You're changing the lore. And off the top, you can say they're changing it to kind of do what a lot of places have been doing recently, and that's just try to cater to the female empowerment. 
Um, I'm not getting political on it. Uh, it's just a fact that that seems to be a lot of companies cater to certain demographics now to try to get extra. This, changing it to daughters instead of sons, it's it's kind of a, uh, but, you know, and making it to where they're not the ones doing it. It's their daughters that kind of save it. But they do help. And if you watch the story, it makes sense. Like, it's not like it's overpowering. It's not in your face with this, you know, female power, all men are bad. It's nothing like that. It actually has a sweet ending, and you see, you know, the the love that they have for their daughters and the love that their daughters have for them and wanting to help their fathers uh, write a song that would save, you know, all space and time. We get to see Bill and Ted go into the future to meet themselves two years, five years, ten years, and then 50 years into the future. Um, and the two and five and ten are, are dicks. We see this the two years into the future – they are playing a small little like bingo room at a at a hotel. Uh, we see that Bill has lost his hair. Ted has developed a drinking problem. He's become a little bit of a douche. Um, they argue with each other because you know one of them they're saying that you didn't write the song. The other ones are saying, yeah, well you lost our wives. We're losers because of you. Then they go five years in the future, and we see that they're in this mansion, and they've got. British accents, what they try to explain why they have British accents all of a sudden, and they're dressed like classic, you know, 80s rock stars, and they're acting like it kind of, they're acting kind of like uh, Captain Jack Sparrow, and they give them a song, and they listen to it, they're like, this is an amazing song, you know, this is the greatest song, and they're trying to pass that off as their song, again, spoiler alerts for all of this, uh, as we go back into it, we see that when they go to leave with the song, to go back to the past, to write the song and unite the world. That is Dave Grohl's house. Dave Grohl wrote the song. We go and we see that they're taking off their costumes. They had actually broken into Dave Grohl's house and we're trying to pass it off as theirs so they would go back, write the songs, and write the wrongs. Um, some hilarity ensues. Threats happen. We go 10 years into the future. Now they're in prison because of what took place with them breaking into Dave Grohl's. They are... They're tatted up, they're buff, they're huge, they got some death song playing, and they're going to bring their song that they had just written in prison, they're going to bring it back and leave Bill and Ted there. We see the robot show up, and the robot ends up getting beat down as Bill and Ted leave. They go in to the future at the end of their lives and meet them in a retirement home, and that's where they get the song from themselves to bring back. Again, the the... the the concept is just insane. It's a Bill and Ted movie. You know, don't go into this expecting anything other than a Bill and Ted movie. But it's fun. The dialogue is nostalgic. It has that feel to it. It's sitting at a 80% on Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, people are enjoying it. If you like Bill and Ted 1 and 2, you'll like Bill and Ted 3. I mean, it's in the same vein. It's got some updated, you know, updated CG and stuff like that. The story's been tweaked a bit, but you're still going to like it. It's these guys playing these roles that it seems like they're having the most fun playing. It seems like they've had a great time doing it. And you will not be disappointed watching this film. I don't think you will. It's going to be, you know, you're going to have a few laughs. It's not it's not a, a dirty, dirty film, you know, like, a, and I don't mean that in a bad way. I mean, you know, a lot of comedies today, you're getting like the knocked up type feel where there's a lot of, you know, dick jokes, sex jokes, um, and stuff like that. You're not getting that in this. You're getting what you get. You're getting, you know, off-the-wall humor. You're getting insane scenarios. You're getting crazy characters brought together through weird happenstance. And it's a fun thrill ride. And 
there's a reason people are enjoying it. And during all these rough times and what's going on in the world um, with riots and civil unrest and COVID and all this, this is a nice little break. I mean, this is just something different. And it's and it's got a nostalgic feel to it. And I really think you can sit down and watch this. And if you have kids that watch it, I don't think they're going to be too lost. You know, you don't have to have them watch the first two to enjoy this film. It'll help, but it's not going to be the big, because they do a pretty good job of explaining the story all together and giving you a backstory to what built to it and where they're at now. So it's got my stamp of approval. Give it a shot. Uh, I promise you're going to like it. If you don't, well, then you just spent your money because I can't give you your money back on it. I apologize for it, but you'll enjoy it. Bill and Ted face the music. Uh, this is going to be the end of it. I don't think they're going to be able to do another one unless they follow the daughters, but I don't know how they would do it considering that, this basically puts a nice bow on it. This puts an end to it. This puts that nice little ribbon on it to call up the trilogy. And all the films work together. This isn't, you know, a crazy off-the-wall thing. It it works. And Bill and Ted was just, it's a fun movie. It's funny. And these characters are ones that you know and love and will continue to love. You can This has rewatchability. You can enjoy it over and over again. It's a fun family film. Now, going on to something that's a little less upbeat and cheerful, um, we recently um, and shockingly lost one of the one of the great actors currently in Hollywood. Um, Chadwick Boseman passed away at forty three years old from colon cancer, and it was shocking because I, no one knew that he had it, and he's been battling it apparently since 2016. So that's four years he's been battling cancer, and none, none of us knew it. Nobody but his family and who he let know knew it. And that in and of itself is shocking in this day and age to know that for four years, TMZ didn't know about it, CNN, you know... Um, E, none of these these big entertainment news sites knew that he was battling cancer or nobody put it out there if they did. But for four years straight, he made seven films all the while battling and having this struggle and trying to fight off cancer. That's That right there should garner his respect. I mean, that's not easy. A lot of people having been told they had colon cancer, a lot of people would give up not go on to become one of the biggest icons in comic book movies. And he's done plenty of films. You know, he was in uh, Gods of Egypt. He did a great film called Marshall. He was in Get On Up. He did 42. He's done, you know, multiple films that have garnered him high accolades for his portrayal of, you know, people from the African-American community, or just, in general, just his acting ability. But I think he's most well-known for playing uh, King T'Challa from the country of Africa, the city of Wakanda. He was, you know, a... He was the superhero for a lot of people who didn't have a superhero. Uh, Black Panther was... It was a lower-tier Marvel character you know, that they use, they brought in, and for 
me, I was never a huge Black Panther fan, and it was nothing against it. I just the character never spoke to me like it did, you know, for anybody that might have been writing it, for, reading it from the African American community. But I know that when the movie came out, uh, when Black Panther came out, friends of mine who didn't like comic books, didn't like superhero movies, went and saw this film. They took their kids. You had you had toddlers, you had kids, teens, preteens, young adults, middle-aged people, and elderly people going watching Black Panther. People were crying. People were giving it accolades. It's one of the highest-grossing films in history. It's a good film. And he brought that character to life. It gave it gave a voice to a lot of people who felt like they weren't being represented in the superhero genre of films. And, you know, I remember for Halloween, a bunch of my friends' kids all wanted to be, you know, Black Panther. That was their superhero because to them, they said, he looks like me. I, I, you know, I can be Black Panther. And that right there, it was something huge for me. And that hit me to know that kids look up to that. And there's a lot of kids out there that right now are hearing that he passed. And this is their first taste of death of someone that they look up to someone that they you know love and you know it's it's got to be a hard thing for them to know and see you know that that Black Panther's gone to them you know Black Panther's gone T'Challa's gone you see pictures online everywhere of kids with their action figures and Black Panther's laying down and the rest of the Avengers are around them and they're giving the Wakanda salute and you know and it's a heartbreaking thing. He meant so much to so many people who felt underutilized and underappreciated. And I know that he's done a lot of films and, but if you're listening to this podcast and for me personally, you know, the black Panther role is what I know him best for. So that's the reason I'm kind of speaking to that more because it gave a voice to the African American community for comics. And he became a, a, huge star off of it to where you know you see videos of fans meeting him and they're all doing the Wakanda salute people are bowing to him he was he was a king to them you know and it wasn't they weren't serving him they weren't you know praising him it's just that he gave them something that they saw in themselves and they felt empowered through him he was a he was a great philanthropist he you know, multiple times went and saw children that were battling cancer and, you know, he went to children's hospitals and all the while these kids are fighting cancer and he's telling them be strong, you know, you're, you're the strong one. He's battling the same thing and they didn't know it, but he felt that struggle. And I think that's why one reason that he really connected with children that were battling cancer and illnesses is that he knew what that fight was like and, you know, he was, it, he just got in his prime. I mean, 43, he had just hit a stride. He was on his way to being one of the greats. And we lost him to a disease that's just terrible. Um, and I don't want to harp too much on the disease. But he was, he was a great person. He was a great actor. And even though I never met him, everybody seemed like he was a great man. Um, my heart goes out to his family. My heart goes out to his friends. Anybody who knew him and loved him 
my heart goes out to you. You know, he he was a he was a great actor and he was a big part of movies that I love and he endeared himself to me for that. Um, I know that, and I'm going to kind of throw myself under the bus. I know if you listen to my review of Black Panther, I kind of said he was the, he was the, 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 he was the least interesting character in the movie. And I don't mean that in a bad way. I just meant that the way it was written, you had so many other people that were, seemed like they had a better story arc than him. He played the role perfectly. He was great at the role. So please don't take that as me doing any kind of dig at him. The film was good and I enjoyed it and I've just rewatched it since he's his passing just, you know, out, out of respect, I guess you can say. And it can bring a tear to your eye now watching it knowing that that's the that's what he's going to be known for and for a generation of kids that's their superman that's their iron man that's their spider-man that's their superhero that they can relate to and he's gone will they recast i don't know um there was a big thing on twitter about people who put you know did he film black panther 2 what about black panther 2 and other people attacked him for it and uh, you got to see both sides yes he had just passed and people were like, you know, that that's wrong to worry about if he was doing it, if he did another film or that's selfish. I look at it as a lot of people were saying that they loved him in that role so much and that role meant so much to them. They wanted to see it one last time. You know, they wanted to see one more story with him playing that role. And they were hoping that he did it. I don't know if he did. I don't know how it went. I don't know what they're going to do with the character. But, you know, he's up there with Stanley looking down and they're marveling, no pun intended, at what they both accomplished. You know, that what they both accomplished, bringing a character like that to not only comics, but to put it on the screen. And it's become a massive pop culture phenomenon and icon. Um, so rest in peace, Chadwick Boseman. Rest in peace, Ch- King T'Challa. Um, you know, I'll say it, I'll give you the Wakanda salute and say Wakanda forever. And to anybody who's hurting from it, just know that, you know, you'll always have his films to go back and watch and know how great he was because it seemed like he really was a genuinely good person. So, once again, rest in peace and my thoughts and prayers are with your family. Thank you all for your love and support of this podcast. Thank you for listening. Follow me on Twitter at NerdPoolPod. Follow me on Instagram at NerdPoolPodcast. I'm on Twitch at NerdPoolGaming. Thank you for your love and your support. Thank you for all you do for all you do for me and for allowing me to, you know, tickle your ear holes for a few minutes every week. Um, So until next time, party on, dudes. Be excellent to each other. And as always, Wakanda forever. See ya.